Welcome to another episode of the Big J and Little J Show, where we'll be discussing Duke's new head coach, Manny Diaz. Connor, Duke finally has a head coach. It seemed like an eternity, but in reality, it was quicker than the last coaching search. This was 10 days, where Elko's was 12 days. But if you ask Duke fans, it felt like a month. Yeah, I actually went, uh, I still had the emails saved from last time around. And last time, I think it was like, the Friday evening at seven o'clock. Um, the email this time came the Thursday evening at nine o'clock. And it felt like we knew for a good 10 to 12 hours there based on everything coming out Thursday morning that it was almost there, almost there. I made a joke about running out of football metaphors. I think the last one I used was uh, they were going for a two point conversion, but you know, there's always the, one out of a hundred of those that gets run back for two points the other way. Um, App State fans know about that. I guess there's some Duke scar tissue with that too. I don't, I don't know what the backstory is. Ben might need to fill me in there. Um, if you don't know it, then, then it must yeah. be from a little bit, of, a little bit ago. Yeah. I don't know it, uh, but Ben, Ben is the guy to know that. Yeah. Uh, it did just happen to wake this year. Like they went for two against NC state and it got run back for the last two points of the game in that 26 to six game. That's how you got such a funky score of that one. Ugh. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it, it moved a little bit quicker. Um, probably not as quick as some people would have liked. I know I saw one tweet from another rivals guy that said uh is duke ever going to hire a coach and i had to kind of restrain myself from saying no it's actually going to be a revolutionary approach they're just going to let the players call their own plays and run their practices and do everything without a head coach and i guess that would have been funny to me at least yeah (laughs) um manny diaz is duke's coach sure you have thoughts i know i have thoughts um it's getting a it, it seems like it's getting a good reaction from Duke fans, but it's getting panned a little bit in other circles. Um, people that cover the ACC as a whole seem to push back and make the point that Manny didn't do much at Miami, which is kind of weird to me. He, was, he had a winning record there. It's not like he flamed the program out and I always felt like he got a raw deal. Uh, I think he won five of six games to end his last season there and kind of made them bowl eligible and got him a winning record. And then Dan Radakovich was coming in. Uh, they wanted to go a different direction. And that's how, that's why he was at Penn state the last two years. Yeah. And here we are. And it is weird. Like the local coverage, like you said, they don't see the connection with Manny Diaz and Duke, but, I listened to a cover three podcast with Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, but Elliot wasn't on there, but this episode, but both of them agreed that I was a good hire. And so, and Chip's obviously connected within the ACC and thinks it's a solid hire. And uh, I met, I DM, but Elliot, when I like I had wind of like Matt Diaz, Matt, I'm going to always say that as a Braves fan, Matt Diaz, sorry, Manny Diaz is uh when he became a real candidate, I asked him a, if Manny Diaz was hired at Duke, is that a good hire? And he said, yes. And for certain reasons. And so, but Elliot is very knowledgeable within the sport and is a Florida guy. So therefore his opinion matters to me more than most. And anyways, I liked it. I, he was, I tweeted, I think November 29th that he was my number one target. Cause I quoted that tweet when he was officially hired. 
that he was my number one target because it just made sense, Connor. Like it made sense to where Duke is that uh, we've t- talked about already that you didn't need to overhaul the whole staff. You didn't need no. to take people out and bring in a brand new, a brand new philosophy and everything. Like David Feely was staying. That's Manny Diaz's guy. Justin Simpson maybe staying. It's his guy. And he he coached at NC State, which we'll dive into. And he coached at Miami, obviously the ACC. And if we want to go from resume to resume within two years, on paper, Duke made a significantly better uh, hire than two years ago because Elko was an established defensive coordinator at Texas A&M, didn't have a head coaching uh, career previously, whereas Manny Diaz had number one defense in the country. Oh, by the way, he had a winning record at Miami for his three years at Miami as a head coach. So on paper, it's a great hire for Duke, and it shows that the Duke job is more attractive than what people may think. Yeah, and that was uh, – I, I had a column idea floating in my head after the after Mike left and never got around to it. I think I probably said it on one of our last two shows. The Duke job is a better job now than it was two years ago. There's no debating the validity. Like, it's just that's where we are. Um, God, two years ago, this was – two years ago, they were lucky to get Mike Elko and convince him to be Duke's coach. Um not convince him to be, but lucky to get a guy of that caliber to come be their coach based on how stale the program had gotten. And so he he put them in a better position. You can be bitter about the way he left, and you can be bitter about him leaving after two years, but there's also no denying, and this is part of what I got into in the column I wrote today, that he put Duke in a better position than where it was two years ago. Um can't remember the exact number, but there was something about, I think Duke's recruiting department had one person that made graphics under David Cutcliffe at the end of there, just social media stuff and that kind of new age 21st century way of reaching recruits was very much not the emphasis under David Cutcliffe. I mean, how many times in the last two years did you see uh, Derek Miller or somebody else on the recruiting staff or one of the assistant coaches retweeting a kid with a cool looking graphic that the kid seemed to be fired up about, whether it was Twitter, or Instagram or whatever. So there, there is infrastructure. There is, there are people in positions in Duke's building right now that just didn't exist uh, before Mike Elko came. So the the guts of the job have changed. And and that's where I that's where I tried to go with, with the column today is just this is a much better job than it was two years ago. And so that's where part of my hang up with, with the hire and trying to understand the thought process of Nina King to bring in Manny Diaz is you're basically bringing in almost the same person other than having the head coaching experience. You're bringing in a defensive coordinator from – a program trying to break through the ceiling of being one of the best teams in their conference. Cause the, like, where would you say Texas A&M ceiling is in the sec right now before, before Texas and Oklahoma get added to it? Are they the third best program at best? I'll say third or fourth. Right. Where would you say Penn state is in the big 10? Arguably the same. Right. Uh, both stadiums fit how many people? A hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
fan support is would you say rabid at both places yeah yeah and that's that's i i land on just kind of being i'm frustrated is not the word like mystified isn't even the word um just trying to understand like how you have such a different job and how you go to almost the same well so that that's that's kind of where i land and look i again i'm not saying many diaz is a bad hire i just i i'm trying to understand and wrap my head around repeating kind of the same script for a job that is, is theoretically better well i would say like Manny Diaz, he has come from Penn State that has 100,000 uh, fans. But he did coach at Miami where he was always coaching in front of 15,000 fans. So yeah. there will be Saturdays in Durham where he's like, oh, this is Miami again. So like that, to be devil's advocate for that about the attendance, he's accustomed to that. And he was a head coach at a private school because Miami is private. People do forget that they are, I think. I, I, yeah, no, I, I spent like three years. Uh, you scared my first... me. Connor scared no, my... me when he looked at me over Zoom, and I was like, I swear it's private, but okay, good, sorry. No, that, that look was because uh, the first three years that I covered Wake Forest, I always had to remind myself, hey, it's not just Wake and Duke that are the private schools in the ACC. Like, Virginia acts like they're a private school, but they're a public school. Mm-hmm. You think Syracuse and Miami are public schools because they're so freaking big, but they're actually private. Um, I think the I think the breakdown, if I remember correctly, is like there are six private and nine public in the ACC, which is not what I think you would expect. But I'd, I'd have to – I haven't looked at those numbers in a few years, so I don't know if that's actually the case or if I'm misremembering. But, yeah, Miami definitely is a private school. Um well, and to go off of that, Connor, like another, like you said, it was a similar hire, defensive guy, defensive guy. But it, there's a clear, I wouldn't say clear, but I am thinking of logically, like Elko was attractive because he had Wake ties and Notre Dame ties in terms of like recruiting. Now, Diaz doesn't have that, but he did coach at NC State, like I said, and he was head coach at Miami. So he knows the ACC more than the other candidates, obviously Jim Knowles was a DC at Duke. So, but in terms of like resumes, I'd still pick Manny, but like uh, John Summerall just got the job at Tulane today. It was announced today, but he has no ACC ties. Like he played at Kentucky and that's basically, he knows Southeastern conference more, but he just never made sense in that situation. Whereas Diaz is probably the most relevant, I'd say in terms of all coaching candidates. Yeah, and I get it's important to have somebody that understands the league. I get that it's important to understand somebody that knows the roots. I also look at where college football is headed and wonder if it even matters to have somebody that understands the ACC because I don't know if the ACC is going to exist in in Manny Diaz's entire tenure in Durham if, if it goes well, like, you know, yeah, I mean, Florida State might be out next year after what happened in college ball playoff. But um, yeah, well, we, we're we're two months removed from Clemson people saying, "Oh, they're leaving in October," and we're still waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah, I'm sure there's some other radio guy who wants to make a name for himself that's going to put out in the next week that by New Year's Eve, uh, 
UNC, Virginia. There's always one random school thrown in there. Like Georgia Tech is going to leave for the Big Ten or some bullshit like that. Like it, it comes out every it comes out every month. Like you can pretty much set your calendar to it until until somebody like Ross Dellinger or Pete Thamel reports it. I'm not going to put any stock in it, but I do think that like the ACC in five years is not going to exist as we know it. Um, no, that that's true. But yeah, last we're thing, seven, was, we're seven months away from not not really being able to recognize it with the West teams coming in. Well, the last thing I was going to say too, uh, you you had the tweet about Nina King's uh, quote about um, Manny Diaz, and it was very very eloquent, very a lot of dictionary words for your boy. I had to be like, okay, let me take this slow and see what she means. But what she sounded like she was saying was a guy, she had a head coach that understands the NIL portion of college football. And that probably was the clear cut reasoning of why he was head and shoulders above the rest of the candidates. Yeah. And that's, that's why you need to read the column. Um, I lay out uh, one of the benefits of not deleting emails that are important is I have the email saved from when Mike Elko was hired and there's, there's nothing that even comes close to rhyming the way that Nina worded it in her in her quote about Manny. Uh, there's nothing that makes it sound like uh, internal and external constituents, like all all of that. There's nothing about that in the in the Elko release, and it just it speaks to how much college football has changed in just two years. And you start thinking of well, if college football is evolving at this rapid of a pace. What's it going to look like two years from now? So that in in that sense, Manny Diaz is a great hire because he's coming into this fresh. He has an idea of what it is at Penn State. He has an idea of what it could have been at Miami. Like he started, he would have started thinking about that in 2021 when he was there in his last season. Um, he's a good talker. He's a good recruiter. Like good talker, good recruiter. Um. What you need is the NIL money. Like, you need to get the boosters to, hey, pony up the dough. I mean, it's in his bloodline. Like, <laughs> like politics is in his bloodline. He's good at what he does for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being being a politician is part of the job description for every football coach. Yep. Even from, I don't know if I would go as far to say middle school, but definitely high school, college, professional football. You have to be a politician to some degree or you're Bill Belichick and you luck into having the greatest quarterback of all time. And you can ride that to what six Super Bowls, whatever. Um, otherwise you need to, you need to be a politician. And some of that slimy, some of it's sleazy. And a lot of it is calling up donors and saying, Hey, if you give us $30,000, then we'll pull that and go get a receiver in the portal who can really make a difference for our team next year. And yeah. that's what college football's become. And maybe Manny Diaz is able to do that better than Mike Elko. I mean, and it needs to be said too, as we're recording today on Friday, that Diaz did land today at Duke during the daytime off a private jet. So it's nice to see a private jet can land during the day and not be like midnight Mike and land at 3 a.m. in Texas. So did you did you write that down? Do you want to check that one off of your list? That you no, have to shout out to Duke there? message boards, midnight Mike unbelievable nickname and that's what i'll be calling him the rest of the way <laughs> that's such a phenomenal nickname but yeah i mean manny like it just a lot of boxes were checked with him and it 
if it's problematic hire, I still think it's probably a good hire. Like bad news is good news when you're like a music star. Like if bad press is good press. I mean, so it's like, hey, this guy, players. I don't know under. I don't understand. I've read people saying that like he's burned bridges with recruiting in the Florida area and stuff like that. And so I saw multiple people say that. So I Googled it myself. And the only article I saw was from uh, there was a convention, like a high school coaching convention, whereas Miami and Florida state coaches were there and he and his Miami staff came and brought free beer to high school coaches in the area at the convention and the high school coaches loved it so much, they didn't even listen to Florida State's coaches speak. So I was like, where is this misconception that he has burned bridges in Florida with high school coaches? The guy clearly, so that's politician right there. Hey, what's better to convince guys than free beer? Because you give me a free beer, I'm going to listen to anything you have to say. <laughs> what Florida State staff was that? The Willie Taggart or Mike Norvell staff? Uh, I would, God, I would guess probably Willie Taggart. When did Willie Taggart leave? Uh, he was fired in 19. It might have been actually Norvell staff because I think this article is 2020, 2021. Okay. I could be wrong, though, because COVID was 2020, but also Florida didn't have COVID rules in 2020. So it's yeah, a lot. It's, I didn't it's really fun. It's, it's really fun to look at attendance numbers from 2020 and see which states were and weren't operating under uh, attendance restrictions. But, well, that that just gives me the reminder. That was Virginia Tech. Uh, they had a full attendance. When, then they host Sam Howe on UNC, and they got so much ridicule because it was the, like the season opener or ACC opener of college football, and they just had a full stadium. I, I think that was COVID. I remember Twitter going they, crazy. I don't think it would have been against Sam Howell. Uh, Maybe, that 2020. 2020. Maybe that was 2020. Maybe that was 2021. 2021, they opened against Carolina. That's what it was, but it was still like COVID wasn't like completely out of the realm yeah. and it was packed. And I just remember Twitter was a, was a war, but I'll get us back on track. The fun facts I wanted to go over Manny Diaz with Duke's schedule coming in 2024. I've already just, I've tweeted about it some, and I've texted you about this. So I have to tell the listeners every game Duke plays in conference is going to be some sort of Manny Diaz connection. So play Florida state, FSU grad and Manny Diaz is 2-0 against FSU. Duke's never beat FSU, so <laughs> that would be fun. Um, UNC, he was fired by Mac Brown in season after giving up 550 yards against Taysom Hill and BYU. So redemption, revenge season for him, for uh, my boy Diaz. SMU head coach Lashley was Matt, oh my God, Manny Diaz's offensive coordinator in Miami. We're going to have a count. You're up to two already. So, also, we're on, we're on podcast number one of Manny Diaz's tenure at Duke, and you're already calling him Matt twice. Uh, also, Matt Diaz played for the uh, Miami Marlins. So, this is just messing with me right now. But Lashley was the was Diaz's offensive coordinator in Miami. Then Duke plays Virginia Tech. Brent Pry was the defense coordinator at Penn State. He left to go to VT. Who does Penn State hire? Manny Diaz. Then Duke plays Miami. I don't really, really, I don't recall what happened in Miami, but there is some sort of connection there, Connor. And then lastly, <laughs> NC State, Manny Diaz coached under Chuck Amato from, I think, 2000, 2005. So every basically ACC game Duke plays outside of Georgia Tech, there is some sort of connection. Uh, they play Wake next year too, don't they? Yeah, and they play Wake. I got it right here. 
They yep. play Georgia. They play, yeah, they play each other every year. Yep. Maybe him and uh your boy uh coach together. Uh head coach. Oh my god, for Wake Forest. Dave Clawson. Dave Clawson. I was no. my brain went completely blank, but I was making a call back to Midnight Mike. <laughs> no, they never would have coached together. Um, no, of course not. I will like it's all interesting. I'm not trying to shit on your research here. Uh, there are so many connections in coaching, though, that you could probably come up with some crossover and cross pollination uh, sure. between between the Georgia Tech staffs and Wake Forest staffs with Manny. Um, and if there's not direct crosses with Manny, there's bound to be some with whatever staff he brings in. Yeah, yeah, and that's like obviously coaching connections are it's a small world in the coaching world, but it is crazy that it's just like it's the head coaches of these programs. It's not the, like the revenge yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. yeah the re, I'm, I'm here for the revenge aspect and for the, I guess I got to pay attention to a lot of post-game handshakes next year. That kind of sucks. Cause I always, man, I hate trying to find that in the middle of the field. You got to watch coaches make their way across the field while all the players are going nuts. If there's a field storming, it's wild. Um, I'll find it for you, Connor, because that's what going to be my motivation. Is just every post game handshake. Okay, good, good. Any anything with the three non conference games that they've scheduled? Like, does he have a connection with David Braun and Northwestern? I haven't looked into those. Uh, my research only went ACC, but I don't think so. There might be connection now with him and Derek Mason, since Mason just got hired at Middle Tennessee State. Uh, was it Middle Tennessee State or Middle Tennessee? Or are they the same school? or Middle Tennessee. Duke plays Middle Tennessee. I'm pretty sure they're both the same school. Pretty sure it's MTSU. Middle Tennessee State, MTSU. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's time for Google because now you have me paranoid that I'm misleading. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you something if it's Middle Tennessee. It's Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Blue Raiders, yeah. See, you had yeah. me in my head. Yeah, Derek Mason is the head coach. Manny Diaz was their defensive coordinator for four years. Oh, my God. I knew that, too. That was such a layup because I was doing all this research. Son of a after, – yep. After leaving uh, NC State, he was – it looks like he coached safeties for two years and linebackers for two years, but he was defensive coordinator for all four years and then did one of his two-season stints at Mississippi State. So that leaves Northwestern, UConn, Georgia Tech, and Wake Forest on the schedule. So eight of the games Duke plays, there is some sort of Diaz connection, which is yep. pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, it's never really happened because, I mean, Elko just had Clawson for the most part. Like, there was no crossover because SEC, ACC. So it's kind of cool. But where does – uh with him being hired, I know it's brand new. I mean, he was official, I think, 9 o'clock last night, maybe even 10. But – um. Have you heard any like anything about his potential staff? Like, obviously, Feely's expected to stay, and I would probably lean that he really is going to stay now with it being official. Manny Diaz is going to be in Durham. Anybody else? Feely's the the main one. I mean, if you listen to this podcast before, you've picked up on how much of an impact he's had on Duke's program for two years. Um, 
it says a lot about the initial report being that he was going to go to Texas A&M and then that getting walked back a few days later. Um, if I had to guess, that's probably, you know, somebody at Texas A&M stressing how important it was to get David Feely to go to Texas A&M and join Mike Elko. And that didn't, it did, obviously didn't play out that way. Um, that's the biggest one. I I don't know if you can count on like Jess Simpson being at Duke next year. I, I don't like the only ones that I really know about right now, Ishmael Aris today has already changed his uh, bio information on Twitter to reflect that he's the corners coach or safeties coach or whatever he is at, at Texas A&M. And uh, Adam Cushing has not yet done that, but it seems like he's going to Texas A&M. Like he's, it's been reported. Um, it's just not confirmed yet. Yeah. And obviously uh, Duke's losing Derek Miller and all the recruiting staff to Texas Derek Miller and the recruiting staff. Um, you know, I, I would, I would have to imagine those positions don't all of a sudden disappear like they didn't exist two years ago. And like, you have to fill those positions now, especially with a guy with the recruiting background of, of Manny. Well, what's crazy about that too, real quick, Connor, is uh, when Texas A&M made the official hire of Derek Miller and said GM, uh, there's SEC fans like, wait, what? A GM? And I'm just like, wait, you guys never had a GM? How did Duke football beat like an SEC team, top five team with the GM label. So that was pretty ironic, very funny to see. And so obviously I hope Duke and Duke will, they'll maintain that and uh, recruiting staff and stuff. And Duke, since you're hiring, look at me, I can give you names. I know coaches on in North Carolina, Virginia, just it's not hard to find me as Deion Sanders would say. <laughs> um, Connor gave the biggest eye roll there. Yeah, I had to throw my head back on that one. <laughs> um, you know, it's like I wrote in the in the column. It's always interesting to see when a defensive-minded guy gets hired. Everybody wants to make it out as if he wants to win games ten to six, and the last two years showed us that that's not the case. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, Miami in his three years there, two of the years they averaged around thirty-two or thirty-four points a game. I want to say. Um, if I've got the timeline right, he's the one that recruited Tyler Van Dyke. Who's that? Uh, talking about Diaz? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Van Dyke came on the scene in 21 in his last year. And that was when we thought he was going to be like a Heisman type quarterback. Yep. So, I <laughs> I blame Pat Narduzzi for making us in the ACC think that every defensive-minded coach wants to just grind out games and make them into physical warfare. Um, I I couldn't get out of that column without throwing a little shot at him in there. Uh, it's just, it's... <laughs> that He is up there with Jason Garrett for you in terms of names that you just could care less about hearing. I've never seen a coach have a Heisman finalist and his offensive coordinator, who tutored that Heisman finalist, leaves, and you're happy that he left. It's called an ego, and he has a massive one. Uh, but I digress. 
Um, so we'll see. Like, I, we'll see on Kevin Johns. Um, that's kind of the main one floating out there right now. I, Tyler Santucci is another one. Like, I think, I think if Duke hang, Duke hangs on to one of Johns and Santucci, I think that'd be a win. Um, For sure. I don't. I don't think it's all that realistic to hold on to both just because that's typically not how coaching hires go. And like, it was easier for, for Elko when he came to Duke because he was coming as a coordinator and to put things bluntly, he was coming onto a staff that didn't have very many quality coaches. And you kind of saw that with, yeah, he had Trooper, and that's why he kept Trooper. Um, I would expect Trooper to stick around this time also, but I, I don't know if you can even plan on that because the guy's, the guy's been a head coach or the guy's been an assistant coach for two different head coaches. Do you expect him to stay for the third one? The only – the only uh, which is true, yes, you're correct. The only uh, story I have about that is – my buddy Pat Corgan, Boo Corgan's nephew, who I coached with at Ferrum, he was the director of basketball operations at UNC Charlotte for four head coaches, which is insane. It was like he was there for five years, four head coaches. I think that's correct. It was at least three, but I'm pretty sure it was four. And so I've talked to him about that. Like, how how are you the only one? <laughs> like, did did Boo did like your family just threaten the lives of the new head coaches to keep you on staff? But with Trooper, like. You can't, as Duke fans, like, if he leaves, I feel like it'd be more so Trooper wanting to leave than Diaz not wanting to retain him because he's been the interim head coach twice. He's been associate head coach at Duke, and he's positions coach. He's not. He's never been a coordinator, so he's already kind of tapped out to, like, what he is at Duke. Like, he can get a pay raise and stay at Duke, and he deserves it for everything he's done, but yeah. he's not going to be offensive coordinator. He's not going to be defensive coordinator. He is a very good positions coach and a very good recruiter and who's been associate head coach. And do you think Santucci, like, uh, obviously he came for Elko and Elko ran a 3-3-5 and now Diaz runs a 4-2-5, 3-3, yeah, and runs a 4-2-5. I don't know Santucci. Somebody asked me this question on Twitter and I was like, I don't know Santucci's background, how familiar he is with the 4-2-5, but – Santucci runs a three three five. That's what uh, Elko ran. It was three down linemen. Are you? Duke had, Duke had four defensive linemen on the field. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't. There's a lot of three down. Who was the Who was the third linebacker then? Like, think about just a random ass play from the middle of the season. Well, the how thing- many times did you see three linebackers running around? I'm trying to give you an example. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they did run a four-two-five. But I thought I swear he ran a three-three-five. I swear, like I thought that was like his thing. But I could be completely wrong. But my point being, if Diaz runs a different scheme, that doesn't necessarily mean Santucci is unfamiliar with the scheme. He just didn't run it at Duke this previous year. He might have ran it at a previous stop. He because he had several. <laughs> so <laughs> who knows? And. Yeah, like at the end of the day, I think you're right. John's John's is the guy that Duke needs to like hold on to because he's very familiar with offense, very familiar now with like the recruiting and his personnel. And he hasn't really gotten his personnel at Duke. Like that's the thing. We're playing with he's played with Cutcliffe guys. Like his recruits are now starting to become 
in the rotation. So I want to see what that flourishes. And oh, by the way, Tyler Cherry is still committed to Duke, and that's a John's guy. So we'll see. Yeah, I can't let Kirk Signetti steal him. No, I'll be so upset. I'll be so upset. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I that that is like that's a unwritten story that I wish I'd written in the last however many weeks uh, or days. You know, it's been weeks. Feels like it's been months. Um, Duke was going to be in like a transition phase next year under Elko. Uh, it was going to be this massive exodus of the guys that had been recruited by Cutcliffe, put in the work for two years under this staff, and then leave. Like, that's where you're seeing, you know, Dwayne Carter, Jamie on Franklin, Graham Barton going to the NFL, uh, Jalen Calhoun leaving, like all these guys. Um, I think Mickey Dalmolin went through senior day, that type of thing. Like, next year was going to be all about winning with, a large chunk of players that the staff had recruited. So now it's kind of you press the reset button again, and it's now a new staff has to win with this com this almost Frankenstein combination of the upperclassmen were recruited by Cutcliffe and then molded for the last two years by this staff. Then you've got the chunk of uh, there'll be third second and third year guys that were recruited and first year guys really that were recruited by elko and and this staff that now are expected to win for a new staff um that's where you really get into some of the like it's gonna it's gonna make for interesting personnel decisions so just leave it at that and it's gonna have to play out over years um it's probably gonna be some uh, I hate college football's timeline so much, but the December timeline is going to be crazy with portal entries for the next couple years at least. Yeah, something's got to be done about that. But with Duke losing, I mean, Duke's losing uh, Jordan Waters, Jacquez Moore, Mausi, R.G. Oban, Charlie Ham, Riley Leonard. I'm look just going down the list. And these Peebles and Jaden Watkins, who really, he was the one that didn't really play much, but Peebles is really good. We know what Riley can do. R.J. Oban is – R.J. Oban's visits, I think, are Notre Dame and Florida State right now. Some, some of those guys are expect like, R.J. Oban accepted a senior bowl invite yeah. two weeks ago. Jordan Waters, I thought, was done with the eligibility. I don't – You're not the only one. I've talked to – I think I said this on uh, Locked on Blue Devils with J.J. I was like, I don't know what – I don't know what COVID year means anymore because I thought he already did his COVID year – and all of a sudden he's coming back for another. I've lost track. Like, you know, the ha-ha joke that Grayson Allen was at Duke for like six or seven years because he was there for four or three, whatever. That That's literally what's happening right now with these guys. Like, hey, Miles Jones has been in the college for seven years. Like, somebody asked me if he could come back because he only played three games, and I was like, God, I hope not. I mean, he just needs to go to – like, go get be an adult because obviously he was injured and everything. But seven years in college is enough. But – yeah, Duke has a lot of guys in the portal and potentially will lose more. Like, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, um, and that's that's the way this shit goes. Um, and that's why I made, Connor, a board. I told you and I've tweeted about it that I made a portal prospect board, a Google sheet that I started today. 
of uh, potential Duke targets. And I'll run a few by you that make sense. Like I told you, I'm not going to have uh, I'm not going to have Dylan Gabriel because Duke lost Ryan Leonard to the portal. I'm not going to have some crazy names. It's going to be guys that make sense. And so guy that makes sense with a new head coach, you want your guy at quarterback. If he doesn't like, if Diaz doesn't like Loftus and Beelan and he wants to bridge a gap year between uh, Tyler Cherry and like he just wants to retro him this year for him to go next year to play next year. Tyler Van Dyke, we already talked about it. AC rookie of the year under Manny has one year of eligibility left. Don't know how far along he is in this process. By the time this comes out, he could commit somewhere else. So, but Tyler Van Dyke's a guy. Uh, and these are, let me preface this by saying Duke fans were like, well, wonder if Penn State guys will follow Manny Diaz to Duke. I, I think you're looking at the wrong direction. I think I look at Miami guys because you got Manny Diaz, Feely, Jess Simpson possibly staying. That's three right there. And so you're about to hear some names. Running back Donald Chaney Jr., former four-star, uh, averaged five yards per carry as a true freshman under Manny, almost five yards per carry. He didn't really do much once Manny left, but that's the type of guys Duke goes after is guys that could be a flash in the pan. Al Blaze Jr. is also my main reasoning behind this. He's a guy from Miami – he never like really clicked in Miami. Miami fans were happy to see him go, but he solidified a cornerback position for Duke that Duke really needed. And he yeah. was, for the most part, he was really good for the whole season. And he was durable, which Duke needed. And so Duke lost R.J. Oban, Jafari Harvey for Miami, edge rusher, played under Jess Simpson, makes a lot of sense. Same with Chance Williams. All these guys, too, are grad transfers. So there's only one year of eligibility. You don't have to worry about the weird undergrad. Do these credits transfer over or do they not? These guys can come right away and play. So a lot easier for admissions. And then tight end, talk about Damo and leaving. They have a tight end. Miami does. Jalil Skinner. He only had 10 catches in his career, which is perfect for Duke because this guy was the number four best tight end prospect in his class. So the guy has potential at 6'5", but he only has 10 career catches. The portal is all about going after guys with production for like the higher up teams. So Duke could take a risk on a tight end or a position that Duke has not really benefited from so far this in the two years. Like in John's system, Damon had very scarce touches. Uh, Paisley, very scarce touches. And so that's my guys and then there's a stretch for the linebacker Duke lost Mausi Corey Flag but he might be going higher up cuz he has 24 and a half tackles for a loss in his career and 180 tackles so he might be going higher up but those are guys that are reasonable to where I think Duke could hey knock on the door hey you remember me Miami we need we have holes and you can come in right away I think Duke is okay at linebacker as long as they get some depth guys behind Nick Morris and uh, Trey Freeman, as long yeah, as they stay. Yeah. I do love Trey. I do love Trey. Yeah, I I think they're okay there. And Nick, do you think of do you think of Duke's third starting linebacker since they ran a three three five apparently? Well, was Dylan Cam. I always thought it was Cam Dylan, Nick Morris Jr., Mausi, or it was Cam Dylan, Trey Freeman, Mausi. That's what I. I'm telling you, that's just what I thought. I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think what would happen to my brain is the fourth and 16 play, there's three down linemen. And I'm just like, every time Duke plays three down linemen. Okay, yeah, on a third and long or fourth and long, yes, the package calls for three down linemen, sometimes two. 
I don't know, man. I could be so far off. I can make I'm either the biggest idiot that we know, which is probably true, or I could have an Einstein moment and be technically correct that Elko ran three three five. Regardless, I'm, I'm trying to get you to realize that you're like you you've. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving you too much credit, but Tony Gibson runs a three three five. Yeah, that's. You know what? I'm just going to quit while I'm ahead because. I have been just deep. You know, unfortunately, Connor gets my text messages and DMs of like, hey, like prospects or like just some random news, football news of what I've come across. And so Connor knows that I put my head in a book and just read as much as I can. And so I'm probably getting a lot of information mixed up between defensive schemes. The only teams in the ACC that play three linebackers at a time are typically state and clemson because they're basically the only two that have linebackers that are athletic enough to cover tight ends the occasional slot receiver and running backs out of the backfield everybody else has to play with that 50 b because everybody runs a freaking spread option offense and puts three receivers on the field and wants to run by you i'm uh i'm looking at looking it up right now <laughs> So says Elko ran three down line with a LBDB filling gaps and acting like a drop back, meaning a hybrid three, four, three, two, five. Okay. So, Hey, I'll give you, I'll give you a partial win on it. Three, two, I'll five. give you a hybrid. You get a hybrid win. Three, two, five makes no sense because that's 10 guys. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know but, what that part of it means. But. but as we're getting off the rails here, I think I have some. There's a source there that I'm not far off that he does like to run three down linemen. But let's go back to the real head coach now, Duke football, Connor, my guy Manny Diaz, not Matt Diaz, and he. Uh, it just came out publicly that Duke's having 11:30 presser for him uh, tomorrow. So good timing with a two thirty or two fifteen basketball game. Yeah, it is very smart and it's open to the public. So again, very smart to where, Hey, just come to the press conference and go to Cameron. When do you, oh, what, where is that? I think it's the field house. Let me look. That's where they did the last one. Yeah. I think that's where it is. Oh, I'm getting blown up. Something I tweeted something. Apparently I've lost all my, I have, lost my thumbnail because I'm getting ratioed on something right now. It's not good. Uh, join us 11.30 a.m. Pascal Fieldhouse. Go Duke.com. 11.30. So Duke fans, go out. Social support of uh, Manny Diaz. And it says that fans are encouraged to use the upper entrance of Pascal Fieldhouse, which is accessed through the grounds lot, green zone. You can start entering at 1045. I think this is the perfect time, Connor, to wrap up because I we're talking about parking at an intro, uh, press conference tomorrow. So hopefully by middle of next week, we start getting the lay of the land of the staff, who's officially going, who's officially coming in. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, man, because portal is open. Duke's had people leave, and now – Duke can really start recruiting, get people in. Yeah, well, that's the the crazy part of this is we're two weeks and a day away from Duke playing a bowl game. We're less than two weeks away from the early signing date. 
and the portal has been spinning for a week. Um, it's a lot of shit going on. Like, it's the it's the Bull Durham uh, mound visit. We're dealing with a lot of shit right now, and candlesticks can't solve it. <laughs> it is, it, dude. It's been so much shit. Because I, for a brief second, I about told you Duke's about to get ready for a spring ball. Because I totally forgot about the bowl game with everything that's happened. Because yeah, it's 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 like there, it's like there are two different football programs existing simultaneously. Like there's the one program that Manny Diaz is coming in and taking over and setting Duke up for the future, and there's the other part of it that they still have a freaking game to play for this season. Like. It counts. It's Duke, Duke is either going to be eight and five or seven and six based on what they do against Troy, which also doesn't have a coach now. I think everything that is lining up, I'll close with this. Everything's lining up to your uh, take on moving the bowl games to August before the season starts. I think that makes the most Get sense because that would bring excitement to football to start, kick the game off, kick the season off rather than, all right, well, Duke and Troy kind of don't want to be here because it's before Christmas. Both don't have a head coach, like, in terms of coaching on the sidelines now. And, uh, and yeah, now they're going to lose their star players. Duke already has, and Troy's guys are about to hit the portal very quickly. So yep. it's going to be bad product on television. And once ratings start going down, ESPN's going to realize, hey, maybe we should listen to Connor and put them at the beginning of the season because ratings are showing it. But, Connor, brother. Nobody's going to listen to me. Uh I've been there. I appreciate you coming on. Short, such short notice again. I think it's the second or third podcast we've done in 10 days. And uh, it's been great. And I guess, are you going to the press conference tomorrow, I assume? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you they made, they made a long day longer. I've got two basketball games to cover and now a football introduction presser. Well, Duke fans, you see Connor, tell him hello and uh, give him my condolences that I cannot be there. But Connor, I appreciate you, brother, and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Jordan.